I just want to reiterate what Pastor Chris was saying. We have a lot going on. And uh, we have a lot going on right now. And so not everything gets brought up on Sunday morning. So that's why it's important to look at the fact weekly. Because it's got everything in it. You know, so if you didn't hear what you thought that should have been shared, make sure you're reading the Fact Weekly. That's why everyone needs to be reading it so you know what's going on, because there's a lot there. And uh, some of the things we'll talk about next week uh, that we've got coming up. So, um, but just be checking that out. The other thing is, is we got a, we got a good group in here this service. Uh, first service had a few less. So if any of you guys want to be up a little bit earlier and have church at 9 o'clock, we'd love for you to come at 9 and help get us a little bit more balanced out. Not that we're, you know, there's just usually a little less in there. So if you like your space, maybe, or, uh, or you know, if you want to do church earlier to get on to other things, then you can, you can come join us at 9. So just throwing that out there, too. So is that all good? It's good with a few of you. Okay. Those that said yes, we'll see you at 9 o'clock next week. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So anyway, uh, <clears throat> so for the past month, we've been uh, in this series of focusing in on, on God's presence. And we've looked at a few different things. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and walk back through all of that. Because I don't think we can hear things too many times. Um, it's good for us to be reminded uh, I, I really felt God leading, leading us to spend this month on this topic and to be going in this direction. And it's something that my hope and prayer is something that we continue with throughout the whole year, focusing in on God's presence. The enemy wants to do all he can to trip us up and to get, us, get, a, get our eyes off of Jesus and focused in other places. And... Um, he doesn't do big things a lot of the times to do that. A lot of times it's just little things that he wants to do to trip us up and get our eyes off of Jesus. The very first place that God wants us to be is at peace with him. That's why he sent a son. That's why he gave us Jesus. That's why Jesus died on the cross was to reconcile us to him, to call us back into him and put us in right relationship with him. Right relationship with God means peace with God. And that was the first week, this first Sunday in August, we talked about the peace of God. And we looked at Psalm 23. God is our shepherd. And it says that he makes us lay down in green pastures. He walks with us along still waters. When I think of those places, those are both, both very peaceful places. And if we're going to have a right relationship with God, he desires for us to have that peace. He wants us to have that peace. It says he makes us lay down. He, he makes us have peace. And the enemy wants to just do little things that trip us up and get our eyes off of Jesus so we don't have peace. I would just, today, I'd like you to ask yourself, God, do I have peace with you? Do I have peace with you? Or am I letting little things distract me? from having my eyes on you. The second week of this month, we looked at recognizing the presence of God. We talked about from Revelation chapter one, Jesus walking among the lampstands. The lampstands representing the churches. And those lampstands held the light of Jesus. As a church, do we hold the light of Jesus? Do we shine his light of, Je of the light of Jesus out? That's what we are called to do as churches is to shine his light and hold his light 
He's present with us. He's here this morning. And we say, bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. With all that is within me, bless your holy name. Because he's here with us and moving and calling and, and drawing us to him. We're to be a lampstand that shines his light. That shows the glory of God. Every time that uh, God's glory is mentioned in scripture, uh, it's talking about his presence. And a lot of those times it's represented by fire. And so we are those lampstands holding his fire. Do we do that? How well do we do that? We get to do that. How cool is that? How cool is that? We get to be the holders of God's fire, of his presence. And I love that it's lampstands and it's not pulpits. We're, we're, it's not a couch. We're not to be churches that are known for our preaching or known for our small groups or any of those things. We're to be known for holding the presence of God and shining his light. The third week we talked about generations and God's presence for every generation. And I look across and here in this room right now and I love to see the multi-generational generations that are represented here this morning. Uh, in the first service we had, we had grandparents and grandkids sitting next to each other worshiping together. How cool is that? We have that in this service too. I love that. I love that. Singing songs together, praying together, worshiping together. That, that's, that's who I believe we're, we're called to be. And it's only going to, the, the generations are only going to grow when we get to heaven, right? Right? There's going to be even more generations. Think of that generation gap. What songs are the older folks in heaven going to want us to learn? <laughs> what songs do we get to introduce to them? It's going to be all new songs. We talked about the relationship of Elijah and Elisha and how, you know, Elijah passed that mantle down to Elisha. We talked about Naomi and Ruth and how Ruth looked to Naomi, the older generation, and grew from her. We talked about Eli and, and Samuel. We talked about the generational differences and how we view the world and how we interact in the world. Elijah and Elisha. Elijah put the robe on Elisha. He didn't have to say anything. It was just truth. He knew what it meant and he did what he was called to do. But Ruth needed that person to look to and to grow and to figure out this is what it means to be a follower of God. And after Ruth had that relationship with her, that's when she said, your God will be my God, your people will be my people. And so we learn, generations learn differently. And they come to Jesus differently and we have to be patient with each other and, and, and worship together in that way. Eli encouraged Samuel to listen for the voice of God and to respond. Eli didn't come in and say, wait, wait, what about me, God? Wait, I'm your priest. I, and he just said, no, Samuel, next time you hear the call, just respond, I'm here, Lord. I'm listening. And we need to encourage that in each other and in the generations. Last week, we talked about God's presence in each of us. God's presence, if we know Jesus, his presence, his Holy Spirit dwells in each of us. But we talked about the filling of the Holy Spirit. And are you filled? Have you been filled? Have you, have you gone from the point of Jesus is my Savior to the fact that Jesus is my Lord and I give everything to him? Lord, empty me of myself, less of me, more of you. 
I must decrease and he must increase. Is he Lord of our life? Does he fill us up? And as a result of that filling, are we seeing his fruit being produced in our lives? We say, God, make me more loving. God, give me more peace. Lord, make me more patient. Instead of saying those things, we say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because as we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we seek the Holy Spirit, those fruits will automatically come out more and more. We don't have to chase after, I need to be more loving. Because I'll tell you, if I took that list and tried to do all those things on my own, there's no way. Anyone with me? Please raise your hands. Thank you. But as we seek after the Holy Spirit, as we, as we hear from him and listen, and as he guides us and teaches us and fills us, those things become just automatic. The fruit is produced. The fruit is produced. And it should be evident to those around us. And so as a result of those things and looking at each of those things, today we look at God's presence in us that leads us to be more present in our community, in the world around us. couple scriptures. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. You ever heard that one before? More times than you can count? First time. Is this your first time hearing it? We hear it so much. What, what, what's, what's the heart of Jesus? What's the heart of our Father? We read that because that's what it is. That's, that's, that's what the heart of Jesus is. Right there. Isaiah 7, 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. God with us. God among us. This is who God is. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. In order to do that, he had to come be here among us. And I love that there's two words there. It doesn't just say that the Son of Man came to save the lost. He came to seek and save the lost. You ever played hide and seek? Did you ever win by not seeking? If you would have played with me, you may have, because I just got bored being in one place. They haven't found me yet, and I'd eventually come out, and they'd get me. Yeah, I was not good at hide and seek. <laughs> seek and save the lost. He came to seek. That means to go after, to pursue. Jesus didn't just come and sit down and say, everyone come to me. This is where I'm going to be. Everyone come to me. He went and he sought people. For the purpose of saving, for the purpose of salvation. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 35 through 38. I love the Bibles and I love hearing the pages turn. I still think they should add that as an audio to the, to the phones. 
you know, like when you flip, you hear the onion skin page turning on the phone. I think that'd be cool. Someone work on that. Matthew 9, verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's what Jesus did. He sought to win the lost. He spent time seeking them. He went out after them because this was his heart. This was the heart of Jesus to be with people, to seek after them. Uh, we have here this, this drawing, and it may be hard to see, and you might be sitting where there's lights, you know, on there or something, but this is a picture that uh, usually hangs out in our lobby area, um, and we've got Jesus sitting here, and we've got our church here, and we've got some of the other churches in town here, and some of the other buildings uh, here in town, and then the, the college and the waterfall is there, and it represents Tacoa, Stevens County, and Jesus looking out over our community, our town, and I believe that as he's doing that, He's having compassion on us. He's having compassion because we were harassed and helpless. We were like a sheep without a shepherd. At least those that don't know who he is, they care about. He has compassion on them. And he's calling for workers. And when it's talking about workers here, it's not talking about people that are full-time staff on churches or in the ministry being the workers of Jesus. He's saying, I need workers to reach those who don't know me. And that's anyone that knows Jesus. He's calling to be a worker for him. He's calling us to seek and to save the lost. And that's what we get to do as lovers of Jesus. See, here's, here's the reality. If, if we have peace with God, if we have peace with God and we seek his presence and we're filled with his spirit, then we will have the same heart and have a heart for the same things he has, right? Yep. Right? Yep. And so if we are seeking after him and we are filled with his presence and we know his presence is there, then our hearts would be, we so love the world. We would then so be present in the world. This is who Jesus was all the way up to the end. All the way up to the end. Luke 23, 34, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. Jesus hanging on the cross and his mind was, God, forgive them. They don't even know. They don't even know that they're lost. As he's hanging on the cross between the two thieves, he's already invited one. He's already brought salvation to one of them and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. On the cross, he's saving people. On the cross, he's having compassion for those that are sitting down there at his feet that put him on the cross. He's saying, Father, forgive them. This is the heart of Jesus. And if we are filled with him and if we are seeking his presence, then this should be our heart. And it shouldn't be something that we have to try to do. It should come out of us just like his fruit comes out of us. 
His heart, heart of holiness, a heart of love, a heart to seek and save the lost. It should all be part of who we are as we seek after him. As we seek to be filled by him. We get to be among the people. We get to be the workers. Jesus spent a lot of time with his disciples, but he also spent a lot of time among the crowds. In the Gospels, we see Jesus in over 40 meetings with various individuals. Over 40 meetings with various individuals. Nine of these times we see Jesus initiate those conversations. Uh, John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman. John chapter 5, the crippled beggar. Jesus initiates those conversations with people. Uh, 25 times the other party initiates that conversation. The rich young ruler in Matthew 19. uh, Jairus, the synagogue ruler in Mark chapter 5. And also in Mark chapter 5, the hemorrhaging woman. They initiate the conversation. And Jesus makes room and time for those conversations. Uh, Other conversations that are have are triggered by third party, someone else. You know, Matthew is having a party for tax collectors and other sinners. In Matthew chapter 9, and Jesus is there and begins conversation. Nathaniel invites Philip in John chapter 1, come and meet Jesus. The adulterous woman is brought by the scribes in John chapter 8. They are brought to Jesus, and Jesus has conversation with them. Majority of Jesus' interactions occur in the workplace. James and John, in Matthew chapter 4, working, and Jesus comes along. Even again, the Samaritan woman, she was out gathering water for the day at the well, working, and Jesus comes into that interaction in conversation with her. Jesus interacted in homes. Mark chapter 1, we see him at Peter's house with, the mo- with his mother-in-law. In Luke 19, he comes and sees Zacchaeus and says, I'm going to your house today. And he goes and spends time with Zacchaeus in his house. We see Jesus going to the synagogue, but rarely do we see many of these conversations that he has and these interactions with people happening in the religious places. Usually they're in other places and he makes time for them and he spends time with them. Yesterday I had the opportunity, opportunity, yeah, uh, opportunity to be somewhere that I, uh, that was put on my calendar. It was put on my calendar so I had to be there, right? Anyone have those moments? Uh, yesterday we had Isabel's uh, gymnastics award banquet uh, for her gymnastics season this past year. And she, she's done doing competitive gymnastics. She's actually coaching uh, now, which is pretty cool. Uh, so, uh, but we got to go and have her last awards banquet. And it was actually a cookout at a pool. So I don't mind that, right? And uh, so we're hanging out. And uh, I sit down, I find an empty table, no one's sitting, some of the other tables are already full, and so I said, it was the one closest to the fan, it was hot out yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, so I'm sitting there, and uh, another couple comes over, I don't know these folks, I've never met them, but they say, hey, mind if we join you? I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. And so they sit down, we begin a conversation, and uh, a conversation that ended up lasting for about an hour and a half, close to two hours. God, God, God did that. Now, I'll say this, um, they're believers. We found that out pretty quick uh, because he's a pastor. He's a pastor. 
uh, moved into town about a month before Jessica and I moved into town. And he's at a small uh, church up in uh, the north side of Clarksville. But I know God ordained that time together. God ordained that time together. And we got to sit and talk. At the end of our hour and a half uh, conversation, we exchanged uh, uh, information, contact information with each other. And last night as I was sitting and, uh, you know, doing some finalizing on, on this time today, I got a text from him. And he just said, I just want you to know that I really appreciate it today. It meant a lot. And it was very encouraging. God ordains those times. If we have our eyes up, I'll be honest with you. I don't know these gymnastics people. I'll be honest with you. Some of these gymnastics parents, I mean, this is female sports, okay? Um, I am not wired to be a female coach, female sports coach. I believe people that are wired to be a female sports coach, they are wired differently than people that are wired to be guy sports coach. I just believe that. If you'd like, I don't understand what you're saying, go talk to someone that maybe coaches female sports. It takes special people to coach female sports. I am not one of them, okay? And so in this gymnastics world, there are people that I don't completely understand. It's different, okay? And so I kind of take the back corner place a lot of the time with these folks, but I said, God, let me have my eyes up today. I mean, on my way there, God, let me have my eyes up and let me see who you would have me see today. And God put that together, and I'm thankful for it. Are we doing that? I, I believe that we need to be better at being present in our community because Jesus was present in his community. This does not mean that I believe we need to be running around involved in every single thing that's going on. Okay? Because you're just going to wear yourself out. You're going to be tired. But where are the places that he's already placed you that maybe you just need to lift your eyes up and see what's going on? When I first moved to Montana, the place we lived in Montana, we were 360 degrees all the way around were mountains. It was gorgeous. My first two years there, I almost ran off the road dozens of times because I'm looking at the mountains. But somewhere around that third year, well, I had places to be. I had people to see. I had things that I had to get done. And I found myself just getting focused on the task at hand. And I'd miss what was all around me. You ever do that? Yeah. I, I don't think we need to be at everything that's going on in this community. But God's saying, where are you already in this community? And lift your eyes up. Now, for some of us, you need to say, God, where do I need to get involved in this community? Because you're just not. You're, in your own, you're, you're just in your own little bubble, and that's where you're at, and, and, and you're not in this community. Or you might be great in this community, but as far as that community goes, is there a heart and a compassion? Does our heart break like Jesus does when we think about it? Where are you at? Some things that we learn from Jesus and in his involvement. One, Jesus took initiative with others. Jesus would have his eyes up and he would take initiative with others. But Jesus also responded to the initiative of others. He had margin as his life and he made room for when people came to him. Jesus left room for people who needed help. And when people came to him and needed help, he helped them. 
Jesus usually met people on their turf. He didn't expect them to come to him. He was willing to go where they are. Are we willing to go where they are? And Jesus usually sought to establish common ground. He would begin conversations and look for a common connecting place. And sometimes that takes time. What I appreciate about Jesus is he often asked questions and left time for people to think on those questions. And he didn't look for a response or a decision right away. You often let them walk away with a pretty tough question stirring in their mind. And he was okay with that. I think we need to be okay with that. But we look for those opportunities to come back around and build relationships, find that common ground and spend time with them. This is a lot. And when we think about spending time in the community, it's like, well, what does that look like? (laughs) I think there's three main ways that that looks for us as a family here. One, our whole family. How do we spend time in this community as a whole family? A couple things we already do are extended community is Clarkston and Vision Atlanta. We're part of that and you guys can plug into that and we usually go do that as a church and we have that coming up usually the fourth uh, Saturday of the month. I believe that this past Saturday was push off. We're actually doing it this next Saturday. So if you got nothing going on this next Saturday, go and be part of Envision Atlanta. I don't know if you know this or not, but over the past year, I think we served uh, uh, six different sports teams in the school system a meal before one of their games. And we had a number of us that were able to go over and be involved in doing that and feeding and getting to know and talk to these kids. It's really cool. I've been to, I didn't get to all of those. I've been to a couple of them, but I still see kids in Walmart and they're like, hey, you're the guy that fed us the food. (laughs) That's right. I am. I mean, it's just, they remember these things. We're talking about Jesus and individual interactions. We're, we're going to continue that over the course of the next uh, 11 weeks. Not next week. We have international worker recognition next week. But beginning in two weeks, we're going to spend the next 11 weeks looking at these different 11 different uh, stories of Jesus interacting with people. And continue talking about how Jesus did that so that maybe we can become better at doing that. And so we each have individual places we go. We each have individuals that we are in contact with or could be in contact with that he's laid before us. But I'll admit, sometimes that's hard, isn't it? Introverts, that's hard. <laughs> you can do it. Extroverts, you might do it too much. Slow down. Okay? I think the best way to do it is do it together. God created us to be together, be in relationship with each other, and I think the best way for us to do it is together. And so the way that we do that here, the main way that I think we can do that here is as part of your discipling community. Our discipling communities are our small groups that we encourage you to be a part of. We have a number of groups that meet during the week, and we'd like to see more meeting during the week. But to me, how much better to be present and visible in our community with a small group than just maybe on your own. Because discipling communities can take those opportunities and maybe find one place that they want to plug into consistently. Maybe it's weekly. Maybe it's monthly. Maybe your discipling community wants to be part of Envision Atlanta on a regular basis. Or maybe you want to help at the Hope House. We have a ministry in town that packs lunches on Fridays to send home with kids who may not get a meal the rest of the weekend if they didn't have this food sent home. Maybe your group wants to go be part of that ministry. 
Maybe you just go to the football game on the Friday night as a, as a discipling community for the point of getting to know some people. And you start, you pray for each other, and then it's like huddle, break. And you go, and then you come back after the game, and you say, how many people did you meet? How many people did you meet? And share your stories. How cool would that be? There's all kinds of different ways we could do this as a discipling community. And then you're not just doing it by yourself. You're doing it with someone. Pastor Chris is going to come. He's going to share a little bit more about our discipling communities. But I know that if we have a heart after Jesus, if we are filled with him and we are seeking his presence and we have peace with God, then the heart of Jesus to be in the world seeking and saving those that are lost will become our heart and cause us to be more present in our community.